few household items before we get started. This is a Sunday morning, but it is also the cap on the One Association Conference that has been taking place this weekend. How many of y'all have been attending the One Association sessions? Have y'all enjoyed them? Come on, we've heard powerful words from powerful men and women of God. We've heard testimonies that inspire us and that encourage us to be bold in our faith and to speak whatever the Lord gives us to say, to live out the calling that he's placed on our lives. We've heard encouraging words and we would do well to respond to that encouragement and live like lions. Amen. On a Friday night, I got to preach with my brother, Nick. That was our first time preaching together. And it was awesome. I was, I felt like I was speaking with greatness. I'm being totally sincere. I love you, man. I want to recognize the people that helped put this conference on. If you've had a part in uh, organizing, in building, in preparing for this conference here from the Arising Church, would you please stand? Come on, stand up. Don't be shy. Come on. To all the team captains that have helped with parking, that have helped with design, that have helped with organization in here, that have helped with meals, that have helped with lodging, transportation, with getting the resources together, that have helped with childcare, all the organization that it took to put this on, I want to recognize the selfless servanthood that exists inside this church. I am so thankful to have a body of believers surrounding me that are saying, hey, we're ready. Just, just let us know what needs to be done. We'll do it. A readiness and a willingness to be a part of something like that is humbling. And I am so grateful. She's shaking her head because she already knows I'm going to say it. Your reward is secure in heaven. It says, let another praise you. You're not praising yourself right now. My wife, Lindy, has done a tremendous job. <laughs> I'm giving you praise, babe. You are a godly woman who is full of wisdom and you have worked hard to help bless a whole bunch of people. Amen. And I pray that the Lord would bless you a hundred times over. Amen. Thank you guys for all your hard work. I love y'all. We love y'all. On behalf of the pastors and the elders and the deacons, we love you guys. And we're excited. To be honest, over the last few months, I've not felt full of emotion. I've been in the place where I'm simply doing righteousness because I know that that's the right thing to do. And I'm glad for that maturity in my life. I know that that's maturity. It is maturity when you don't feel like it to still continue doing righteousness. That's maturity. And I'm not all the way mature, but I'm more mature than I was. Amen? I'll get there. Today... The title of the message is called Finishing School. How many of you guys went to college for some years but didn't finish? Don't be shy. You don't need to be embarrassed at this point. Do you wish that you could go back and finish? I think that's a resounding meh. Oh, <laughs> what I think is that when we begin to see the depth and the riches of the word of God, when we begin to catch a glimpse of how big and how vast his kingdom is, sometimes the study of how certain molecules react in certain ways, when you don't really understand anything that they're talking about, it just kind of pales in comparison to understanding who you are in Christ and what you were put on this earth to do. Amen. Now, thank God for scientists. Praise God that they exist. I'm not dogging them. 
What I'm saying is a lot of us got stuck studying and devouring and eating and consuming things that at this point in our lives really aren't benefiting us. I want to learn and get educated and devour things that are going to change the world. I want to first be changed myself. And then I want to go out and bring liberation and freedom to everyone I possibly can. I know what it's like to be weighed down by lies that I believe about myself. I know what it's like to be weighed down by the guilt of the sin and the things that I've done wrong. I know what it's like to be on the outside, to not belong, to feel rejected. I know what that's like. And I also know what it's like to be liberated from all those things. And the difference between what that feels like to be imprisoned and what it feels like to be free, I want everyone to experience that. How many of y'all are with me on that? Amen. I believe that the Lord has shown us the path forward. Today, I love my brothers, and we've spent the last two days going through six different sessions, seven if you attended the breakfast, hearing words that applied to all of us. This morning, I have a word for the arising church. I believe that those who are hearing this message will benefit from it. But I believe that the Lord has spoken, has given a prophetic vision for us going forward. And it was confirmed by my brother this morning. It was confirmed by Pastor Wade from Life Changing Ministries. And it was confirmed from our elders. I believe that the Lord has given us vision for going forward. And I want to share that vision with you guys this morning. I feel that what's being built here will change the world. I feel that what's happened when we look around at our society, and not just our society, meaning those outside the church, I feel like largely when you look around, the things that we've gotten used to concerning Christianity are garbage. So much so that when you come into a spirit-filled environment, it's strange. Strange. If we came in here and there was a professional coffee server with a professional coffee place, maybe even a whole section dedicated to it, everything was perfect. There were no messed up chairs, which I noticed right there that this beautiful little girl is sitting in where the cloth is torn away. I saw that yesterday. Couldn't sleep last night. I'm kidding. I slept fine. But if you came in here and everything was perfectly put together, and then you watched my face on a screen. That wouldn't be weird. That would be normal. If you sent your kids in there and you walked back there and it was decorated with the finest decorations and people responded perfectly. Everyone was perfectly organized. They knew exactly what to say according to your responses. They've learned the 15 different types of questions that might be asked and they gave the perfectly programmed responses. And then your children walk back and there were climbing walls and ropes and a ball pit. You'd look back there, see the organization, see the decorations and go, this is a good program. Not giving a second thought to the substance that was actually being given to those children. Oh, come on. Just take off your shoes and stick out your toes. Don't curl them back. Let's just step on some toes and then let Jesus heal the pain. If I'm allowing the direction of my life to be based on where I am the most comfortable and where I'm the most entertained, I'm going to continue on down my life unaware of how unhealthy I am because the entertainment will distract me as I slowly die. We have to correct this as Christ followers. He is beckoning us to correct this. As Christ followers. But we have to have a pathway forward. We have to know what he's calling us to do. I believe he's illuminating that. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 15. Yes. Heal him, Lord, right now. Sometimes you hear prayer requests and you don't worry. You just go, no, God's got this. He's got this. That's how I felt with Justin. 
The Lord's got him. He's holding him. That is a powerful man of God. Powerful man of God. I'm proud to be associated with Justin Johnson. Look at verse 1. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. Before we read this next sentence, how many of you guys picture Paul as starting something new? That the gospel and the message that he carried was something new that he had access to first and then he took it to other people. Look at what Paul says here. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Paul is saying in this moment, what you're getting from me, I received. Paul received what he got. And then he gave it to someone else. Where did you get what you've received? Who'd you get it from? We have a lot of people who are claiming to be pastors, apostles, and as my brother, Pastor Brent Vincent from Indonesia said yesterday morning, we have a lot of people who have discipleship programs and no disciples. We have a lot of apostles, but no disciples. We have a lot of people who are selling millions of books on how to make disciples who have no disciples. Do you ever think about when you eat food that maybe this is not what it really tastes like? Does that sound like the Matrix? Do you know that there are scientists that are chemically formulating exactly what your brain and your body wants and they put it in that food so that when you eat it, it's like, mm, this is so good. But that's not what the actual food tastes like. You're tasting the chemicals that they put in it to make you think it's delicious. Isn't that interesting? Do you think the same thing could happen inside of a church building? Do you think that certain ingredients could be put into a church recipe to make you think it's delicious, but what you're really eating is actually bad for you. Sometimes when my children are being still during worship, my thought is, guys, get up, dance around, be free. And then sometimes this little tiny thought comes into my mind and says, what if they're going to know different things about worship than you do? What if even how I see worship today, that this next generation who were working so hard to instill righteousness and purity are actually going to do worship differently than we do. And it'll be a good thing. What happens if that's what's going on? What happens if what we've gotten used to inside this church building is actually so far from what we're supposed to be doing? What, what happens if when we look around and we see what's out there, that although it looks good now and it might be able to plant a satellite, I don't even know what a satellite is. I, I looked, I couldn't find it. I don't know if they had satellites. I don't get it. What happens if that's what we've gotten used to and then nothing comes from that? It's sterile. Like a horse and a donkey, right? They can produce something, but it stops there. This is a mule. Mules are sterile. They can't produce anything. We've looked and we've said, oh, look, they're birthing other churches. But those churches are sterile. I'm not here to pick on anybody. Some of you, you're already too far gone. I've already offended you and you've turned me off. He's picking on other ministries. Hear what I'm saying. I want to get the heart of God. And if God is frustrated with what's going on, then we've got to find out what he actually wants. I want to know what we're supposed to have received so that I can pass it on to my son. God forbid I miss what I'm actually supposed to receive and I pass on junk food to my son. And it makes his spirit sick. How many people have gluten allergies in here? Y'all were like this. Because y'all get picked on a lot. People say, where'd all these gluten allergies come from? We did wheat for the longest time. What's crazy is we were watching a little brief documentary. It said what wheat is now is completely different than what it was 50 years ago. The reason your bodies are starting to act, react differently to it is because chemically it is different. 
I want to tell you, it's not just happening in the church buildings. It's happening in every facet of life. What we are being sold is tainted with chemicals that are meant to draw us in. And we have got to get back to the original. We've got to get back to what it's supposed to be. Let's go to Zechariah 9. I was talking with uh, Pastor Nick this morning. And I said to him, you know, we love Israel in different ways for different reasons. He and I will argue about how we're supposed to interact with Israel and how it's supposed to affect our lives. And what we both know, not argue as in like we're mad at each other, but about what's most important. And I actually see it as complimentary. Because he has an appreciation for things that I don't yet see. And I love that about my brother. I want to tell you that there was a way at one time. When Jesus came, there was a way of life. And Jesus was introducing things that were new. But he was also not doing away with the things that were. We see that in Matthew 5. Look at Zechariah 9. He says in verse 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. We see from Zechariah 9, 9 that he would be riding on a colt, the foal of a donkey. That's the younger donkey. Turn to Matthew 21. Watch this fulfilled. Look in verse 4. It says, This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Caleb, my son, can you come and help me for a second? Did you see that it said Jesus sat on them? How did he sit on them? There was an older donkey and a younger donkey. We saw in Zechariah 9.9 that he sat on the colt, on the foal, the younger donkey. What they used to do... Caleb, I want you to, here, we're going to step down here. Can y'all see my son? We're going to get on stage. Come over here. So Caleb, I want you to run ahead, and I want you to let me hold you back, but you're going to run ahead and try and get ahead, because Caleb is full of energy. Do you know what we tell him to do? I'm not even kidding. If he starts just kind of getting antsy, we'll tell him to go run around the house 10 times, because he's got so much energy. So Caleb, go ahead. So we're walking. Look at this. Now look, I know, I'm not in a hurry. My son's full of energy. Okay, Caleb, great job. Great job. Do you see my son? He's ready. He's ready. He's chomping at the bit to go. I'm the older donkey. And I'm helping set the pace. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Which one was Jesus sitting on? The younger donkey. Do you know that when Jesus came, that there was correct understanding of the word? Much of the word. We look at the times that Jesus chastised the Pharisees, and our conclusion is that they didn't understand. Yes, it was true. They missed Jesus. Some of them. Some of them didn't. In fact, Paul says that he received surpassingly great revelations about who Jesus was. He had to be given a thorn in his side just to keep him humble. But he was receiving revelations about who Jesus was. Do you know Paul didn't have a New Testament? He was too busy writing it. 
what he understood had come from the scriptures that existed before. I want to tell you that the older donkey keeping the pace was the orthodoxy, the correct interpretation, the right understanding, understanding the promises that were associated with the Messiah, understanding the covenants that had been made by the forefathers, understanding the context that the scriptures were written in, understanding their time frames, when things occurred, understanding the Hebrew language itself. Think about how many idioms exist in our language. And when we say them, spending, spend a little time with Pastor Radu. He's got idioms in his language. We've got idioms in ours. And we can leave each other confused if we directly translate them. This is what we get into trouble with sometimes when we're reading the scripture. The geography, where they were standing when certain things were spoken. The Messiah himself. What were they expecting from a Messiah? Their occupations, what they did for a living. When we're reading the word, they understood all of the context because they were living in it. What if, what if we're so blind to the original meaning that we would actually allow hatred in our hearts to develop for the people whom this was given to? What if we allowed distance to come between us and their culture because we were led astray, untethered. What happens if that young donkey breaks free? Where might he run? I want to tell you those two donkeys, I heard it from Pastor Eric last night as we were sitting in his trailer in a thick cloud of smoke. And he gave me a great revelation about this story. That young donkey represents the messianic movement. That's the donkey that Jesus was sitting on. That's the donkey that he rode. But make no mistake about it, he was tethered to the older one. I believe that the problems that we see around us are because we've become untethered. There's too much distance between us and the way that things are supposed to be. And we've lost our way. If that's not true, then how come when Brent Vincent goes to Indonesia and he's willing to drive 12 hours in any direction, he can't find any churches that are reproducing? That's in Indonesia. That's almost like my worst fears were confirmed. I was hoping that the only sad state was in America with the churches and that the rest of the world was getting it. How come when, when Pastor Buddy, who is pastoring down in Peru, goes and ministers, there aren't spirit-filled churches all over the place that he can work with? Why is that the state? Now, do I believe that we're the only ones who've got it? No, but I do believe that there is a vast separation between where we're supposed to be and where we are. And that unless we get the urgency and unless we can understand how necessary it is for us to go back and learn, to become students again, and to actually understand what we were called to do, I believe we're going to continue untethered down this dangerous road, running the wrong race. How can you finish if you're running the wrong race? Let me ask you this. Up here, some of this may not resonate, but is this resonating with anyone's heart? We're far from where we're supposed to be. I can say that with confidence. What I also know is Jesus has given me the revelation that the true church, the true bride of Christ is alive and well, and she is beautiful. Why? Because he's a good husband. And he knows how to take care of his bride. We don't need to be worried. That's not the right response. We don't need to be anxious or stressed. We need to be diligent. This is the right response to the situation that we're in. Turn to 2 Timothy 4.
As we read this verse, I want you to think. Was Paul wrong? And what warning was he trying to give to Timothy? Look at verse 3. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. When I say sound doctrine, I want you to hear the correct understanding and interpretation of the commands of the Lord. When men will not put up with sound doctrine, instead to suit their own desires, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. I picture him going, but Timothy, not you, not you. That's going to happen all around you. People will turn aside from what's true. They'll turn aside to godless myths. They won't want to hear sound doctrine anymore. But Timothy, you have got to stand strong. You have got to remain faithful. He said, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist and discharge all the duties of your ministry. What's he saying? Don't stop and keep giving it away. Keep doing what you're supposed to do. Remember what I gave you. As it starts to get chaotic around you, keep your head in the situation. Don't lose your head. As people begin to go away in all different directions, which I'm saying that's what's happening now. That's where we're living right now. People have gone in a bunch of different directions. This should not be. It should not be so hard to walk into a spirit-led environment and find comfort in who Jesus is. We should not have to be overcoming so many things that we've gotten used to when you come in here. Some of you, when you come in here, you've been ruined to some of the things that you see. You hear someone speaking in tongues and it brings up all these terrible memories. And you're already burned. Forget about receiving what the Lord has for you in that moment. You're turned off the rest of the time. I want to tell you that rather than understanding the truth, I believe that's a result of being untethered. Running aside in a different direction, who knows what kind of danger you'll find untethered as a young donkey or another word for it out there in the world. Lord, help us. God, we pray that you would tether us again. Tether us rightly. Set the pace for us, Lord. Show us what's right. Lead us in the right direction. Help us to finish the right race. Finish us, Lord. Finish us. Perfect us. Mature us, Lord. Let's look at Romans 1 and you tell me if this seems to be evidence that all the Timothys that were supposed to hear Paul's instruction. If we might have a bunch of Timothys out there running in wrong directions. Trading in their call for something more glamorous. Look in verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men. Who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them. Because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. There was a point at which things were properly understood. And it was passed down from one generation to the next. Do you know that it is a Jewish thought to say that if we miss one generation, if we don't teach the word, to the next generation, we will cease to exist as a people. Because what defines and identifies them as a people is the word of God. And if they don't teach it to their children, they will lose everything. We have backup plans. That's our problem. Maybe we don't teach them the word of God, but we'll make sure they're in all the extracurricular activities that they'll need to make them a well-rounded individual. And so they grow up not knowing who they are. 
having a whole lot of fun along the way. And we feel like good parents because they're busy. But what does that produce? Busy adults who don't know who they are. Is that where we're at? Busy adults who don't know who they are or the power of God inside of them. Is that where we are? Don't worry. Don't be stressed. That's never the right answer. The answer is always to say, Lord, tell me, what do you want me to do? I'll give up anything. I'll trade away anything. All my ideals, all the traditions, all the things that I've done, I'll lay them all down. I don't care if it makes me look like a fool. I don't care what other people call me. I'll do it. That has to be our response. We can't just get worried, just get frustrated, and then go and inoculate ourselves with whatever distraction we're on right now. TV, food, get on our phones, go hang out somewhere, go on another vacation, go buy some more stuff, buy a bigger this, a better that. We can't do that anymore. We have to cut the cycle and simply repent. And when we do that, he'll answer us. It's his delight to. He's excited to answer us when we repent. He's longing for it. Listen to more evidence. For although they knew God, verse 21, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man. Do we worship man instead of God? Is that happening? That's not worship. It's just really profound admiration that's greater than God. Yeah, that does sound like worship. Okay. Rather than the creator who is forever praised. I'm sorry. And birds and animals and reptiles. Verse 24. Therefore God gave them over to this in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity. Are we struggling with sexual purity nowadays? I think that's a fair assessment. For the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. Do you hear whisperings that the Bible is not for today? Do you hear whisperings of that? Sometimes shouts. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind. To do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you that this is exactly where we are at. I heard a quote one time that said, when the church came to America, it became a business. And if we're a body that's now a business, how is that not prostitution? We're living with consequences of prostitution inside our churches. That's unfaithfulness, which breeds distrust. Do you see that? And that distrust, offense, bitterness, which turns into rebellion. Do you see that? A distrust of authority. And then there's a breakdown of everything. A breakdown of everything. It's not supposed to be this way. It's not supposed to be this way. So this is where we're at. 
This is the state of things. Y'all ever heard that quote from Benjamin Franklin? It says, jack of all trades, master of? The original quote was jack of all trades, master of one. The word of God. That was the original quote. How appropriate. Master of none. There isn't much value placed on becoming a master of the word in today's society. Oh, don't get me wrong. We're willing to pay for tickets and buy books for those who already are masters of the word of God. We're willing to invest in their business, in their brand, in their name. But among the sons and daughters of God, by and large, there is not a hunger and a thirst to become a master of the word of God. Even me saying that almost sounds like it's inappropriate. A master of the word? Who, who am I? Who am I? This should be everything to us. What are we investing ourselves in if not the word of God? What are we devoting all of who we are to if not the word of God? What great and mighty, powerful, eternal, unchanging and significant thing are we devoting ourselves to if not the word of God? The riches of this world, they'll pass away. And in light of eternity, you'll wish you had traded it all away. Better to learn this lesson now and engage in investing into eternal treasures rather than to be led on a different racetrack and end up not finishing. I want to run the right race and I want to finish. And I want to finish well. And I want to take as many people as I can with me. Come on, is that your desire? I want to take as many people as I can with me. I want to finish the right race this morning. I want to tell you that this year started out with a prophetic word from the Lord for us as a church. Does anybody remember what that word was? Y'all remember it? We mentioned it a few times. Not new beginnings. I think that that's uh, tied with the Jerusalem year or the Israel year, the Hebrew calendar. It was to take the land. Amen. To go on the offensive. When the Lord gives a word, we don't have to make it happen. He brings it about while we're obeying him. What I've watched is the place where I live, my parents live, the disciples who are living with us, Elder Ben and Jody and their family with disciples who are living there. I've watched God give land to Elder Mark and the Morrisons and they're building a house now attached to our land. Amen. And the Masseys have moved into a house attached to that land. We planted a church in Denton, Texas that's thriving and is strong and is growing. The Lord has given us what we've asked for. Look at that in the children's section. Sure, it's just drywall and screws and, and metal, metal studs to some people. But how many people have invested themselves in that work? How many people have worked hard to bring that together? It's not just drywall and screws and metal studs, is it, Keith? It's not just wires. It's not just a bunch of lights back there. It's us taking the land. Where the Masseys are living now is not just another house. It's us taking the land. When we go to visit our brothers and sisters in Denton, it's not just another church. It's the Lord bringing his promises about. When we go over there, that's not just building materials. It's where little warriors will be trained up. God has answered that prophecy. And we see it. He reminded me when Elisha told the king to strike the arrows on the ground. And as many times as he would strike, those would be the victories over the enemies. What I felt is leading up to the One Association Conference that the Lord was bringing that season to an end. And I believe that he did. But I believe that he introduced a new season. And this new season that the Lord has introduced, I want to share it with you. I want to share with you what the Lord has shown us going forward. He showed me a picture that the land that we had taken, that the time had come for that season to end. 
And then simultaneously, I saw a picture of rows of soil. How many people have seen tilled ground where there are rows of black soil? Have you seen that? Those who can appreciate it, isn't that beautiful? Why is it beautiful? Because it's full of potential, isn't it? And you know tilling ground is hard, isn't it? That's why it's beautiful. You can see a lot of work has been done here. And it's ready for seed. He showed me that the time was done. And then he showed me inside those boundary lines. The black rows of soil. Tilled ground. Ready. And then he showed me bags of seed. I saw those things. He showed me that the soil was the hearts of the people here. And he showed me that the seed was the tools that we had been given. And I believe that we are entering into a season where God is going to raise up inside this body mighty sons and daughters who will learn this the right way, who will learn who they are, who will learn the process of maturity, and they will execute it faithfully. And they will take what they receive and go and entrust it to other reliable men. I talked with Pastor Massey this morning. The Lord had given him visions. We talked about it in the car this morning. We had been praying separately. And I asked him, babe, will you hand me my phone? I asked him, what's the Lord been speaking to you? Separately, the Lord spoke to us both. Is it there? It might be in my coat. Separately, the Lord spoke to us both. And if you can't find it, and it's in my mind. But what he told Pastor Massey was that the Lord was giving us weapons. And they were different weapons. He said that they weren't just normal weapons. He pictured one that looked like a rocket launcher. One that was like an AR-15. These weapons that were powerful, that were potentially dangerous. And what he saw is impartation. This is the word that he received from the Lord. That this is the season of impartation. When you combine both of those words, when you combine those visions, what do you see? The Lord is putting tools and weapons into our hands to impart to sons and daughters. To train up, to sow seeds. When I talked to Pastor Wade about it, he said, oh, that's Isaiah 28. Let's turn there. Thank you, sweetie. So I shared this with Pastor Wade. And he directed me here. Look at verse 23. It says, listen and hear my voice. Pay attention and hear what I say. When a farmer plows for planting, does he plow continually? Does he keep on breaking up and harrowing the soil? When he has leveled the surface, does he not sow caraway and scatter cumin? Does he not plant wheat in its place, barley in its plot, and spelt in its field? His God instructs him and teaches him the right way. Come on. I saw that and I knew this is what the Lord is doing. He has tilled up the hearts of the people that are here. He has made the soil ready and he has given us seeds to plant. And then this morning, I read the rest of the verse. Caraway is not threshed with a sledge, nor is a cartwheel rolled over cumin. Caraway is beaten out with a rod and cumin with a stick. Grain must be ground so to make bread. So one does not go on threshing it forever. Though he drives the wheels of his threshing cart over it, his horses do not grind it. All this also comes from the Lord Almighty, wonderful in counsel and magnificent in wisdom. I saw Pastor Massey's vision through this next part. There were certain tools, weapons that were used to help finish this process. You couldn't just use any weapon anywhere. What I had written next to this from long ago was proper judgment and discipline. We're going to go through a season 
of proper judgment and discipline. A season of sowing seeds into fertile soil that's ready, that's been tilled, that's been worked, that's been cleared of rocks and weeds and is ready to produce fruit. How many of you guys have seen the Discipleship Helps book? If you have not purchased the Discipleship Helps book, starting at the end of this month, the Discipleship Houses, there are three of them here, two guys and one girl's house, are going to start going through the Discipleship Helps book one week at a time. And then once a month, we're going to come together, and the pastors will be there with you, and we're going to work through walking through this process together. Inside the Discipleship Helps book, you're going to go from learning about who God is, who he calls himself, onto the ability to cast out demons, to pray in the spirit, and to see the gifts of God move and manifest in your life. We're going to walk through this together. I saw it all coming together as I was thinking through these things and I was considering the vision. And the Lord has put the tools in our hands to be able to train up those who are here. That's our desire. This is the way of life that was passed down to us. We were trained up, and now it's our responsibility to train others up. The reason that selfless servanthood exists here is because that's the way of life that was handed down to us. And we have handed that way of life down to others. And we're seeing a community grow and prosper and thrive and flourish in this area. Ultimately, the desire from going through Discipleship Helps is to produce people who have a foundation for understanding who they are and what they've been called to. So if the problem has been presented and exposed, saying, we're, we're untethered, I believe that the Lord is showing us how to get tethered back again. And I believe that this will get us on the right racetrack and that we will be able to finish the right race. Can y'all say amen to that? We also talked about taking this and what it ultimately would produce. We dreamt for a little bit this morning. We had dreams. We had desires that were birthed out of this. In fact, even in our hearts, things began to grow as we were talking together. Both of us were so filled with passion this morning as we were sitting in the office and talking about these things. We began to see pictures of children being instructed about these same topics. Little kids, can you imagine if when you dropped your seven-year-old off in childcare, if the instruction that they would be going through that day was at some point, if you have not been filled with the Holy Spirit, put down your worksheet, come up to the front, and we're going to lay hands on you and pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine if instead of being distracted by a pop version of a worship song and learning dance moves, in children's church, your child was learning how to lay hands on people and see them get healed. I believe that this is how we get back on track. I don't want my kids to grow up in this fake junk and in garbage and being handed down things that will make them sick. The things that you see in the physical, they're easy to see. We see the health problems. We see all these things going on. We feel guilty about it a little bit, or maybe we feel undereducated or don't feel capable. I want to tell you our spiritual health is paramount. That's where we're really hurting because you can't see the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the hearts and he's saying, I want to heal their hearts. If we allow our hearts to get healed, we will finish the right race. We will finish the right race. If we get back to the right understanding of the word so that when we're reading a conversation that's happening here, we're not missing the point. So that when we're, when we're reading instructions, we're not thinking it's something else. We're not ascribing qualities to God that are actually not his because we've been misunderstanding as a result of our being untethered. We're not giving bad counsel to our friends because we misunderstand the principles that are talked about in this word. 
We don't have a lack of knowledge and understanding about who Israel is and the part that they play in our lives because we've learned what the point of this story is. And we come to fully appreciate the power that's inside of us because we see it in the greater context of his entire word. I believe what will actually be a byproduct of that is we'll learn to trust God more and more and more and more as we see how timeless and faithful he is. Because you'll watch his unchanging nature on display from the beginning. And we'll understand it rightly. We'll know who we are, secure identities. We will move forward in power. Can you see what I'm talking about? Can you see it? Not with your eyes. I'm saying, can you see it in the spirit? The times that we're living in demand that this happen. The world is begging us to get this right. Please get this right. In fact, it's groaning. Please, please get this right. Stop settling for what is fake and false. Stop running around and busying yourself and wearing yourself out, not getting anywhere. Get on track, understand the rules, learn how to run, and run with all your might. Turn to 2 Timothy 2. We're getting ready to close. I don't want to get it wrong. I'm not afraid of getting it wrong. I'm just so tempted and drawn by the glimpses I see of what is right. It's so desirable to me, this picture of what it could look like. Do you know what we're most proud of? When someone walks in and says, oh, this is beautiful, or, I really like the sounds of this, or I love the way that you do that, or oh, this is, all that just, it's white noise. Glory to God. That'll be our response. Glory to God. Glory to God. But when someone says, I walked in and I saw you guys really love each other. That's music to my ears. Because he said that they would know you're my disciples by your love for one another. If we'll get this right, oh boy, our love will be the most beautiful thing on the planet. Our love for each other will be so beautiful. It'll be irresistible to the world. You want to learn how to reach the world? Stop thinking that your keyboard warfare will change people's mind. Let the love that you show to others be the most identifying mark of your life. And it can't be the love you see around you. It has to be the love that you receive from above. Because only that kind of love is willing to die for its enemies. 2 Timothy 2, 15. He says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed. People come in and they don't understand. They get weirded out. You bring friends to church and that just happens to be the day that five words in tongues get given. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed because you know the fruit of living by this life. Many of you in here, your families are changing. Your relationships are changing. The way that you parent is changing. It's not as a result of the Masseys or the Slaughters or the Hefners or the Acevedos or the Morrisons or the Quicks sitting down with all of you. It's because there's an environment of righteousness. And as you live in it, it's producing fruit in your life and you are naturally reaping the benefits of righteousness and holiness. We're just saying get more serious about that. That's all that we're saying. Righteousness and holiness. This is taking us there. does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. That's what we need to get back to. Pastor Eric, I believe, said it yesterday. Have you ever wondered how someone can be in church for 30 years and still be at the same level as they were 30 years ago? Are you still living off of old stories? 
Are you still living off of old victories? Do you want some new ones? Do you want some new stories? Do you want some new victories? I know I want new stories. I want a new story today. I want a new story right now. I want a new victory right now. Right now. I don't want to live off yesterday's bread. It rots. Gets full of maggots. I don't want to try and use what I used yesterday. It's just a jawbone of a donkey. It was the Lord's spirit that empowered me. And his spirit's still here saying, I'm ready for the next battle. I'm ready for the next battle. I can use anything. Just be willing and obedient. Correctly handle the word of truth and it'll bring you into those situations where you'll have to battle and I'll come through for you because you'll be in over your head. And I'll come through and we'll get, we'll get a new story together. That's what he's saying. Correctly handle the word of truth. And finally, let's go to Hebrews 12. Pretend there was no chapter break between Hebrews 11 and 12. Pretend after just listing off the heroes that Pastor Eric was talking about earlier. Pretend that it just continued right on into this sentence. Verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Those witnesses are the heroes that had just got done describing and listing. If you've got time on your hands, go through it. It's a good read. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The language that he's using, I was talking with Pastor Massey this morning. He was illuminating something for me. He was saying that this language comes from the games. They would run naked. Because I don't even want an article of clothing slowing me down in this race. Being surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, they're not just sitting on a cloud watching us. This is meant to communicate that they are cheering us on. You can do it. You can do it. Keep going. Keep going. Run the right race. Run the right race. Shake off everything that hinders. We look around and we see all these different ways. I see many different exits right now. There's lots of ways that I could run. Lots of aisles I could run down. And what the Lord is saying Run the race that I've marked out for you Amen. and finish it and I will finish you in the process. This is what he's calling us to, to run the right race and to finish the race. We're going to get on the same page together. We're going to move forward by the visions that the Lord has given us of his face and of his plans. We're going to see it in the context of his word. And as we run the same race that they have run. And we hear them surrounding us. And cheering us on. Yeah, we know what that's like. We know what that's like. We know what that's like. Keep going. Keep going. It's worth it. It's worth it. Don't give up. Shake off everything that hinders. You can do it. I want y'all to be encouraged this morning. We will get this right. Don't be worried. Don't be stressed. It's not about what everybody else is doing. It's what he's speaking to you right now. Will you hear the call and will you respond? Let's stand together. If you are wanting to participate in that discipleship helps that's taking place starting on October 28th, First, purchase the book and then come talk to us. It's on Amazon. It costs $10. $7.28 of that goes to Amazon and all their printing fees. And the rest of it goes to the One Association to help fund missions. It wasn't a book that I wrote. It wasn't a book that Pastor Massey wrote. 
We're not trying to promote ourselves and we're not trying to get rich. We want to run the right race and we want to finish it. We want to get this right together. Don't let anything stop you. Let's lift our hands together in victory, in victory, in victory. Lord, we thank you that we operate from victory. We thank you that we operate from victory. Let's say that together. We operate from victory. Thank you, Lord, that you ran the race first. Thank you, Lord, that you paid the price for us, that you gave us your spirit to enable us to do all that you've called us to do. Thank you, Lord, that it's more than what we can do on our own, but you designed it that way so that your grace could fill in the gaps. So, Lord, thank you that you've empowered us, that we lack nothing. We lack nothing, and we have no need to be discouraged, no need to be stressed or worried. But, Lord, help us to be diligent and disciplined, God. Help us to make right judgments, Lord. And would you search us out to see if there is anything that hinders. And, Lord, remove it so that we can run this race and finish it. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.